Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Joel Moran Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Karis LeVert getting traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Trey versus Luka, why the Pro Bowl still sucks, and the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel. Two big-time things happened today. That was LeVert getting traded to the Cavaliers and the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel. Uh, the Dolphins thing has kind of been in the works for a while. It was between him and Kellen Moore, uh, him being Mike McDaniel, and Mike ended up getting the nod. I can't wait to talk about this stuff. I can't wait to talk about specifically what the Karis LeVert trade means for Cleveland. I, I thought it was a great move, and, and let's jump right in. The Cavs are getting Karis LeVert, a 2022 second-round pick via Miami, and the Pacers are getting a 2022 first-round pick, lottery-protected, Ricky Rubio, which is an expiring contract, and two second-round picks. I think this works for both sides. The Pacers get a late first round pick or a pick at least that's going to be outside of the lottery because we are all expecting the Cavs to make the playoffs at this point. Ricky Rubio, his contract is expiring, so he's not on the books. And they get some second round picks. We know sometimes these second round picks are hidden gems. Over the past couple of drafts, we've seen second round picks really blossom. The one I can think of straight out, straight out the top of my head is Herb Jones right now with the Pacers. So that's a good get. But the Cavaliers are the winners in this trade, given that they are trying to compete right now. And they've been missing another creator outside of Darius Garland who can create for others and also get his own basket. And I think that's what Karis LeVert brings. He's averaging 18.7 points per game, 3.8 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 45% from the field and 32% from three. He just had a 40 ball on the Chicago Bulls the other night. In January, he's really upped his efficiency, and he's shooting 39% from three now. The Cavaliers are one of the more fascinating stories in the NBA, given the fact that J.B. Bickerstaff decided to go the complete opposite way of where the entire NBA was trending with small ball and these spaced-out lineups and go big and and go with Jared Allen, with Evan Mobley. In the offseason, I wasn't too high on their extension of Allen, but He's resembled Rudy Gobert this season. He doesn't have quite the defensive impact, but they are very similar players. Evan Mobley was a great pick at number three, and the leap that Darius Garland has taken has just taken everybody by storm, to be honest. I look at the Cavaliers, you now have Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Laurie Markkinen, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. Off the bench, Kevin Love, who... Per 36 is putting up similar numbers to his Minnesota days, and he was an all-NBA player in Minnesota. He was arguably the best power forward in Minnesota, and he's putting up similar numbers in Cleveland on a per 36-minute basis. He is a dark horse for sixth man of the year. Then you have Isaac Okoro there still. Uh, Shetty Osman, who's a pretty solid role player. Dean Wade, Rajon Rondo. I thought when they traded from that was an excellent trade because he pretty much gives you with Rub- what Rubio gives you, but he's an older player than Rubio. So he doesn't quite have the same stamina or energy as he once did, but he's a high IQ point guard. He knows where to go. And he also is a very good defender and a willing defender. And Lamar Stevens is also pretty good. The Cavaliers can surprise a team in the first round. And, and maybe surprise isn't the right word to use here because I'm still shocked at what they've been doing. 
uh, they are a top four seed in the Eastern Conference, yet I still talk about them like they are barely making the playoffs, like they're a seventh or play-in team or they're the sixth seed. But no, they're at, they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think they can get to the second round. Karis LeVert, when he was in Brooklyn, when Brooklyn made the playoffs, he was the constant guy that would show up for Brooklyn, and he'd average 20 and 10, and he'd have these big-time assist performances. He has a lot of point guard skills. This team can shock a team in the playoffs. If they were to face the Chicago Bulls, is that that easy of a matchup for the Bulls? Can that not go seven with the defensive presence of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? I don't know. Right now, the Bulls right now, they kind of lack that interior presence. Vucevic has not been the same as his Orlando self. And I was thinking about this scenario. The Cavaliers are are a very young team and they're going to be here for years to come. And I think the difference about them is that they have true budding stars. I think the Knicks last year, given that I'm a Knicks fan and I, I was very heavily invested into the team, Julius Randle was our lone star. And questions about whether he can replicate that all NBA season were, were we, we had a right to ask those questions. And now this year we see he's dropped off. Darius Garland is only trending upwards. Evan Mobley is only trending upwards. Jared Allen is only trending upwards. He probably is going to get, he's probably going to be a, a better version of what he is now, not significantly, but slightly. And Lavert. He's just he, he's going to be what he's going to be, which is a very solid starting caliber player who can score and also play make. But what about Colin Sexton? What do they do with him? This is fascinating to me. Because I'd resign him and I'd have him come off the bench as a six man. I thought in order to get Karis Levert, they would have to trade Colin Sexton. Given the fact that they didn't trade Colin Sexton and they still have him rostered and can match an offer. I don't think any team out there, given his injury, given he's one of the worst defensive guards in the NBA, are going to give him a huge offer sheet. If he can buy into a six-man role with the Cavaliers next season, he can be similar to a Jordan Poole or a Tyler Hero, and it can give the Cavaliers bench a real legitimate six man. I know right now Kevin Love is that, and he's as legit as you can be. But Colin Sexton gives them a little bit more punch. And with the lineup they have now, you see Isaac Caro getting better every single game. Colin Sexton, the Cavaliers become one of these teams that <laughs> they're going to be a scary, scary team in the East for years to come. Kobe Altman deserves all the credit in the world for the moves he's made as a GM the players he's drafted, he, he's been really freaking good as a GM. And I wouldn't rule out LeBron returning after his Lakers stint. Once the Cavaliers are already established, they have all their young pieces. Who's to say they don't just draft Bronny James so LeBron can come over? I'm sure LeBron doesn't need anything more than a couple million if it's his last year. You never know. LeBron has enough money. I thought this trade was a home run. And also, I question whether or not if they can bring back Rubio, his contract's expiring. That would be awesome. The Cavaliers are trending in in the right direction, and I'm happy for them because we kind of all assume that once LeBron left, this wouldn't be a relevant franchise, and they've proved everybody wrong. Trey Young versus Luka Doncic is one of the more fascinating debates in basketball right now because I, I think 
the consensus is still that Luka Doncic is better than Trey Young, and I I believe that as well. But Trey Young is getting close, and he's getting closer than than people would think, just because they have similar numbers through the first four seasons in the NBA. Trey Young has led his team to the Eastern Conference Finals versus Luka. He hasn't gotten out the first round yet. But despite Trey Young possibly having the better resume to this point, I think that Luka is just still the clear-cut better player. And, And we saw that tonight. I just finished watching the Mavericks versus Atlanta Hawks game. The Mavs won 103 to 94. The Mavericks defense post-January has been flat out amazing. They've been one of the better defenses in the NBA, and I'll admit that I was 100% wrong about Jason Kidd and the job he's he's done. I didn't think he'd be this good, and maybe that was foolish on my part because he turned around Milwaukee's defense when he was there, when Giannis was still in his younger days, and he's doing the same with Dallas right now, a team that last year wasn't a good defensive team and two seasons ago was one of the worst defensive teams in the entire NBA. Trey Young had 17 points, 11 assists, shot 6 for 19, and 0 for 6 from 3. Luka, likewise, in terms of the points and efficiency, he had 18 points, shot 6 for 17, and 1 for 3 from 3. But he had 10 boards, 11 assists. I think Luka would just always be the better player. Just because he's 6'8", while Trey is 6'1", he can rebound better. He can score just as good. And even though Trey Young, when he gets hot, is unstoppable, I feel like Luka gets into a different gear where he is KD-esque. He's Kobe-esque. He's these all-time great. He, he plays at such an all-time great level. Right now, he is currently averaging the most points per game in the playoffs in history of the NBA. And that's been against a great Clippers defense and team in the first round. And he's taken them to seven and six, the last two matchups. Luca is still the clear cut, clear cut best player, and I think today showed that. I just feel like Luca has more things that he's good at: rebounding, defending. His defending has been an overlooked aspect of his game. And in saying that Luca's better, it's not saying that the trade wasn't a good trade. And we know that they'll always be tied to each other because. Dallas traded Trey for Luca and Cam Reddish, uh, and Hawks got Trey and Cam Reddish. But it's really one of the trades, one of the weirdly odd enough trades in NBA history that both teams won. Because while Trey is an all NBA, all star caliber player, you could even say he's borderlining on superstar. I think right now he's playing at a top 10 level. Luca is kind of at this all-time great level and it's the same thing like the Jordan and Hakeem draft did the Rockets regret drafting Hakeem over Jordan no because they still had Hakeem I think it's kind of the same thing with the Hawks and the Mavericks trade I will say this as a Knicks fan it hurt me watching Reggie Bullock drop 22 points I mean this is a guy that we Nick the Knicks really miss his defense and he's been a great defender with Dallas he's part of their best defensive lineup on the team over the last five games he's averaged 20 points he's been shooting lights out he's just he's a really good fit for them in the offseason I didn't think they made much move because that's the only move they made but he's been playing really well and he's proven me wrong the Dallas Mavericks have surprised me this season today was a slow day for me 
I woke up and I was going to do some homework and maybe watch some TV. There wasn't really anything on. I was waiting for six o'clock to watch the Mavericks and Hawks game. And as I went to my room, I was kind of tired. I wanted to take a nap. I just, I take a nap with background stuff. So when I take a nap, I like to have the TV on and I turned the TV on. The Pro Bowl was the only thing on. And before I can fall asleep, I, I was watching it for a little bit, but I didn't watch it for long. And even after I woke up, I was watching a little bit, but it, it wasn't for long. The Pro Bowl is embarrassing. It's just as simple as that. The Pro Bowl is an utter embarrassment. And it's the worst all-star fest- festivity of any pro league that there is. Watching the game, you see the pass rushers, they're not even rushing. You see the offensive line, they're not even blocking. You see the quarterbacks just kind of just playing around back there and evading rushers and receivers aren't even really running routes. They're not tackling. And I don't want them to tackle. I'm not saying that because I don't want them to get hurt. And they're just touching. Like, you know, touch you, you're down. If I touch you, it's like two-hand touch. It's embarrassing. And this has been going on for a while. I'll be the first to admit that I've never seen the Pro Bowl. This was the first time I've ever actually, like, tuned in for more than five minutes. And in the five minutes that I've tuned in, that I tuned in, I was just like, wow. They let this go on every single year? It's embarrassing. The Pro Bowl is supposed to be about highlighting the better players in the NFL. And given the fact that they are the better players in the NFL, they should have a sense of pride to at least perform at a decent level. J.J. Watt came out and said that there are walkthroughs that are more intense than the Pro Bowl game. If the Pro Bowl is going to be like this, just have festivities, just have throwing competitions, races, and even in the race, like Tyreek Hill wasn't trying, at least I didn't think so. Just have festivities because that's it. The Pro Bowl sucks so bad. It's a disgrace. And somebody recommended this idea to replace the Pro Bowl. I think it's actually great. Have the worst two teams play a game to fight for the number one overall pick. So this year it would have been the Lions and the Jaguars. I think that's a great idea. It will never happen. But that's a phenomenal idea. And we'll see which team wants to win slash lose the most. That would be very fascinating. It will never happen, though, because rosters, uh, contracts are expired. And most of the times with these teams that suck, their coaches get fired. So it probably will never happen. But they have to find a way to make it better. Mini games, contests, just do something to make the Pro Bowl a bit more pleasing and at least watchable. I think flag football is an excellent idea. I do. And I think they should probably just play flag football if that's the case. Some big-time NFL news happened today. The Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel as their new head coach. This is amazing news for Dolphins fans because I think Mike McDaniel is an excellent offensive guy. And this is excellent news for Tua fans and people that believe in Tua Tungavailoa. Because Mike McDaniel sold the Dolphins front office by saying, I can win with Tua. And he can. I think Tua, I'm not the highest on him. I think he's Jimmy Garoppolo. Can I do I think you can win with Jimmy G? I do. I think you can win with Tua. The West Coast scheme is now coming to Miami. Mike McDaniel is a genius run designer. I mean, he really is. 
He's been the 49ers run game coordinator for a couple of years now. He's worked under Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan. But he's going to be tasked with a big challenge in rebuilding a Dolphins team that has no current running game, that has no current offensive line, that has no tight end that fits the scheme. I think to me, this pretty, this pretty much means Mike Gesicki's out because Mike, Mike Gesicki can't block. So to me, it means Mike Gesicki is not coming back. He's just not a scheme fit. And if he were to come back, I would be shocked. But that's what he has to do. He has to build up this offensive line, this running game. The Dolphins don't invest draft picks into running backs unless it's like a seventh rounder or a late round pick. But he has a four-year contract, and hopefully he gets it done. I'm looking at Kenneth Walker. I'm looking at Brees Hall. I'm looking at free agency, and I'm getting offensive line help for Tua. Jalen Waddle fits this scheme perfectly. I think they'll have a. I think he's going to have a blast scheming up for him. Devontae Parker probably on his way out doesn't fit the scheme too much. He's more of a possession jump ballish receiver, not a great separator. But I think this was a good move between him and Kellen Moore. I would choose Mike McDaniel with my eyes closed. I don't think Kellen Moore was a head coach. And I think the fact that he was being considered as one was foolishness because he's always been gifted a great offense in Dallas and in big time games, he's kind of really wet the bed and underperformed. So I'm glad it wasn't Kellen Moore. I feel like the fan base would have kind of been, they would have, they would have kind of been against the Kellen Moore thing. I'm not, I'm not too into the Dolphins fan base but just from the outside looking in I feel like Kellen Moore wouldn't have been a good hire and it wouldn't have brought excitement into the Dolphins fan base Melvin Gordon is also a free agent running back maybe they can sign him and I want to talk about this Mike Shanahan coaching tree because it's taken the NFL by storm let's just let me just go over the coaches that were part of Mike Shanahan's coaching tree that are now head coaches Kyle Shanahan Matt LaFleur Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Robert Sala, Kevin O'Connell, Zach Taylor, Brandon Staley. Those are eight of the 32 teams in the NFL, which means that coaching tree makes up one-fourth of the entire NFL. And a lot of these coaches have had a lot of success. Mike McDaniel can be the next guy up. And if there's one coaching tree that I trust more than any other coaching tree in the NFL, it's this one. It's Mike Shanahan's. It's a really damn good coaching tree. The bad news is that the Dolphins haven't had much success with first-time head coaches. You look at Nick Saban, Cam Cameron, Tony Sperano, Joe Philbin, Adam Gase, Brian Flores. Maybe this time it's different. Maybe this time they'll have that success. He wants to build around Tua, build an offense around his strengths, I think that's going to mean a lot of quick passing games, a lot of RPOs and screens, incorporate some play action. While I don't think Tua is the most gifted quarterback, I also am not oblivious to his situation. He was under the worst offensive line of football last season. He didn't have uh, great weapons around him that fit what he does. I don't think Devontae Parker was a great fit. He had no running game. The defense is fine. but if you can build a solid team around Tua, you can win games. Are you winning a Super Bowl? I don't know. We'll answer that question when we get there. My gut feeling is no. 
but this is a step in the right direction for the Dolphins post-firing Brian Flores. I thought Flores should have never been fired, but it is what it is. He's gone. I think the next best move was hiring Mike McDaniel, and I feel like Dolphins fans should be ecstatic. So that's going to do it for episode seven of the Joel Moran show. I want to thank you all, all you guys for listening and tuning in. Uh, I've been getting more momentum on this and I told you guys, I'm going to be consistent. These are going to be dropping a lot and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching this channel grow similar to how pick a side has grown over the past couple of years. And thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in, tuning in, and I'll see you next time.